This is your preparation station, encouraging hosts and empowering topics to equip you along the journey. Preparedness grounded in truth. Now on with the show. The 21st Century Homekeeper is on the air. The 21st Century Homekeeper is about old-fashioned skills and old-fashioned living. Sit back, gather up the family, and listen in for useful tips and information on homesteading, homemaking, and all kinds of old-fashioned living skills. Welcome to the 21st Century Homekeeper, where we bring old-fashioned skills into the 21st century. I'm Sylvia Britton, your hostess. Grab some hot tea and coffee and put your feet up a while because I've got some good information to share. You might want to get a pen and paper to jot down a few notes, too. I'm really glad you've joined me because in this show we're going to talk about some things that you can do to get your garden ready for winter. Before I get started, though, let me share a little information with you. You can find me throughout the week at www.christianhomekeeper.org. And you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash christianhomekeeper. And if you would like to participate in discussion about home, garden, children, work, etc., you can join the group at facebook.com slash groups slash christianhomekeeper. Right now in my kitchen, there are several jars of tincture making. I'm making elderberry tincture and migraine tincture from frozen leaves. You can go to www.christianhomekeeper.org and search for elderberry or migraine, and you can find my recipes and instructions for making those. Also, the dosage charts. I was diagnosed with migraines and cluster headaches many, many years ago. And the migraine tincture, (coughs) pardon me, actually works really well for me um, right at the first sign that I'm going to have one of those headaches. I start taking the tincture, and so far the headache and all of its signs are gone within 30 minutes. So you should try that if you um, suffer with migraines or if you have someone in your family who suffers from migraines. You can buy the herbs for those at places like Mountain Rose Herbs uh, or uh, Bulk Herb Store, wherever you happen to order herbs from. You can order them there. You don't have to grow them yourself. Uh, I happen to know that that um, mountain rose herbs um, offer a whole lot of organic herbs. And I order everything that I don't grow. I order from those two companies, mountain rose herbs and uh, the bulk herb store. And the prices are really good, and if I can't grow it or don't grow it, I just order it from there. But you can order everything that you need to make that migraine tincture and the elderberry tincture as well. So go to christianhomekeeper.org and search for those, and you will um, you will be able to get the instructions for those. Now, assuming that you're experiencing winter right now, here are some things that you can do while it's cold to get your garden spot ready for planting. I don't know if you're like me. I don't. 
I don't even like going outside in the wintertime. I mean, I, I have to. I don't have to as much as I used to because I don't have um, animals that live consistently outside. I have three cats that think they're outside cats, but they spend an awful lot of time inside in the winter. And I have a little dog, and he stays inside. Uh, but but when we had animals outside, we had sheep and so because of that, you know, I was outside a lot. Plus we had a bigger garden. We had an orchard. And, and so I was outside a lot, even in the wintertime. <clears throat> but now I just like to look at the outside from the inside because <laughs> it's cold out there. But there are things that we like to do to get our garden ready for spring. It just really saves time, saves a lot of headache and can really help you to get um, a head start on your spring garden. The number one thing that you can do is to contact your local extension office. Now, extension offices um, have all kinds of information on growing plants, garden plants, fruit trees, lawn care, tree care, beekeeping, uh, ornamental plant care, all kinds of information. And that information is free. I'm going to give you a, a link. I'm going to spell it out to you. But I'm also going to try to get Donna to put it with the information with, uh, with this radio show so that you'll have that link. You can go to this link and find your state and all of the extension offices uh, in the state. I'll give it to you here. And like I said, I'll try to have it in text somewhere around the show information. Here it is. It's HTTP colon slash slash NPIC dot O-R-S-T dot E-D-U slash pest slash county E-X-T dot H-T-M. That is long and crazy, isn't it? But like I said, I'll try to get that text somewhere on the page with the show. You go to that link, and then you'll find your state, click on it, and it'll take you to all the counties or all the parishes and the links to the extension offices in each one. Now, the reason I'm taking time to tell you about this is that these offices have printed material on everything you can imagine, and they will mail this information to you free of charge. So, for example, if you're having problems growing tomatoes, they will send you information on growing tomatoes, or they'll tell you that, well, tomatoes don't grow well in your area, and they will suggest some alternative plants. All right, so now we, we've talked about uh, extension offices and information that you can get. You want to get information on um, on garden plants that you think you might like to grow or plants that you do grow and you would like to know how to help them do better in your area. And that's what's so great about the extension offices. I can get information in my county in Tennessee and that will help me grow 
those garden plants right here where I am. Uh, a county extension office somewhere in North Carolina or South Carolina or Georgia is not going to be as much help to me because it's specifically written for people who live in those states and in those specific counties. Now, <clears throat> if you haven't already, clean up your garden. Uh, growing garden plants and doing it well it's really all about sanitation and fertilization and water. Those are the big three, in my opinion. So you want to you want to clean up your garden. You want to remove dead plants. You want to uh, use a lot of that dead plant material to mulch. If uh, the plant material has insect issues. You know, it's cold right now, and you might not be able to see insects, but you might be able to see their, their, their eggs. You also might be able to see damage where you know they were last year and they ate those plants. You want to take those leaves and stems and things and just consider burning those, or at the very least put them in trash. Put them in the trash and haul them away. The reason for that is even in those dead plants that lay around all winter long, you, those can spread insects and they can spread disease. And the, the rest of the things that I'm going to tell you, um, for the most part, they're going to be about cleaning and preparing your garden. So if you have a compost pile, go ahead and clean out your garden, add the, compost, add the mulch and stuff to your compost pile. And what's going to happen is that that compost is going to lay there, and it's going to seem like it's not doing anything, but it's decomposing, and it's going to create heat for the earthworms to get busy, and those earthworms are going to be doing their thing. And uh, it's going to give you some great, rich, nutrient-dense compost to put on your garden next spring when you start out, when you start out with those little plants. Now, if you have um, a way to create mulch on your property, then you should do that. You should go ahead and uh, trim trees, uh, rake Leaves, leaf matter, leaf, uh, fallen leaves are great for making mulch. Just go around your property and clean and pull out dead limbs and, and stems and leaves and do all of that kind of thing and then get, get just a great big pile of mulch. And, of course, you know you can't, it's not, in most practices, you don't want to just mulch with limbs. There is a... There is a type of mulching where you, you use limbs and trees. But in most gardens, you're going to need to chop those up, or if they're too big, you know, you could use them for other purposes in your garden, or you could use them for firewood. But you're going to chop up and make small all of your mulch material. Now, after you have made your mulch, then you're going to be able to put that mulch on your garden. But there's a particular order that you want to um, put compost and mulch and those kinds of things. Uh, there's a particular order to do that in. Now, I like to wait until the ground freezes 
in the winter to add mulch. The reason for that is if you uh, put compost or mulch on your garden before the ground freezes, you're probably going to get critters living in your garden under your mulch. And that might not be <clears throat> a negative thing for you, but um, for me, in my experience, when I get ground squirrels digging holes and living in my garden, they're eating things they don't need, that, you know, that I don't want them to eat, and um, they're sort of making a mess of my garden. Now, some folks don't mind because they say that the, the ground squirrels. Um, and moles and voles and things like that, um, they turn up the garden and bring air circulation uh, to the garden soil. Well, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I, I'm not just real fond of having critters living in my garden over winter. And one reason for that is for the for the sake of the little critters, <laughs> because in the spring, very early, I cover my garden with four millimeter thick landscaping plastic. I weight down the edges, and that heat will kill uh, roots, weed seeds, and weed plants, and it also will kill baby critters. So if, if you don't want them in there, and I don't particularly want to kill baby critters, if you don't want them in there in the first place, just wait in the winter until your garden soil, the ground in your yard and in your garden freezes. And then once it freezes, you can go on about your plan. Um, here's the order that I like to put down things in the garden in the wintertime. The first thing I like to do is to give the garden uh, a last till. Just run it lightly with the tiller. Now, that is not a necessity. But I like it because it opens up the ground, it exposes root seed, roots uh, of weeds, it exposes weed seed, and whenever I put that black plastic on in the spring, it's very helpful. And then the next thing I like to do is to apply compost. Now, you probably know the difference between compost and mulch, but for those who might not know, let me, let me explain briefly what the difference is. Compost is mulch that has already been decomposed. That's basically the difference. So the first thing that you want to put on your garden in the wintertime, and you can do this anytime in the fall all the way up till January, February. You want to put compost down, and then on top of the compost, you want to put your mulch. Um, there are all kinds of things that make great mulch materials. Leaves, grass, all of the things we talked about earlier. But if you don't have anything, don't worry. You can purchase good mulch, like oat straw. That's very good mulch. Um, you don't want to mulch with things like pine needles, though, because for most plants, pine, pine needles are too acidic. But especially if you have crops that you are planning on leaving in the ground over winter, like kale or carrots, especially mulch those. So you'll put your compost down, and then you'll mulch really heavily. 
We're going to take a short break, listen to our sponsors, and then when we come back, we're going to finish talking about getting that garden ready for the spring. Here's how you can save $10 on the mill of your choice. Go to millersgrainhouse.com forward slash store and use the promo code radio at checkout. That's R-A-D-I-O at checkout. Or you can call 828-536-4988 during weekday business hours and get the same savings by phone. Either way, your order is shipped to your door without shipping charges. Remember, you can go to millersgrainhouse.com forward slash store or call 828-536-4988 and use the promo code RADIO. Are you looking to have ducks, geese, chickens? Boy, do we have something to share with you. Stop by ranch-coop.com. These folks build some of the most beautiful handcrafted coops for small areas as well as the farm. They are so easy to put together. It took us less than an hour and they're shipped right to your door. Stop by ranch-coop.com. Wonderful people to deal with. Beautiful coops that you can use for backyard and homestead fowl. Ranch-coop.com. Do you have your free digital subscription to Prepare Magazine yet? If not, then hurry over to preparemag.com and start getting each monthly issue sent directly to your inbox. It's easy. All you have to do is go to preparemag.com, enter your name and email address, and you're subscribed. Consider signing up for the premium membership for past issues and exclusive resources. You can even subscribe to the beautiful print version of Prepare Magazine. Visit preparemag.com and choose the option that's most valuable to you. Prepare Magazine. Encouraging, empowering, and enriching your journey. This is your preparation station. Now on with the show. Welcome back to the 21st Century Homekeeper, where we bring old-fashioned skills into the 21st century. I'm Sylvia Britton, and we're talking about getting gardens ready for the spring. There are a lot of things you can be doing to get in that garden ready. Now, we were talking about mulch and mulching and composting before we took our break. And we were talking about the fact that you can purchase good mulch like oat straw and baled, some places even sell baled uh, leaves, leaves, baled grass is good mulch. Things like alfalfa um, are okay mulch. Um, And, you know, in a pinch, I have even mulched my garden with oat straw. Um, Oat straw does tend to grow oats in the spring (laughs) and so your garden can start to look a little weedy but my experience is that you can just walk by pull those little plants out pitch them to your chickens and it hasn't ever really been a big problem for me i can see where it could be but uh, i've never had a problem with it now, uh, it, whenever you've got your compost down, then you've got your mulch down, it's going to look like there's not a lot going on there. But you know those earthworms are, are getting warm because you've mulched. And um, all of those seeds and things that uh, are left over from last garden time, uh, like tomato seeds, if you... If you uh, grow heirloom varieties and things like that, well, those seeds are getting warm, and they're enjoying their time in the soil, and they're they're absorbing some nutrients from the soil, and they're getting ready to germinate. So there's a lot 
there's a lot of things going on. It's a very busy place in the garden in the winter. Um, if you've got hardy bulbs, those bulbs are growing, and those earthworms are processing all of that organic matter from the compost and the trees and the shrubs that you might have just planted or transplanted in the fall, those things are not dormant in the winter. Sometimes people get the idea that that uh, trees and shrubs and things are dormant. Well, if they're not if they're not actively growing, they are. But if you've just transplanted them in the fall, all winter long they grow roots and uh, they get ready for the springtime. They've got to have a really good strong root system uh, so that they can flourish in the spring and so that those roots can support the rest of the plant in the springtime. So it's busy, a busy place. Now anything that you spread for mulch during the summer has already decomposed. So it's really important that you spread more mulch uh, so that it will decompose into compost and so that it will add nutrients to your garden soil over the winter. Now if you had rather grow a cover crop and you can forego the mulch if you like. Um, so the, the way you would do that is to give your garden that last plow or last till actually. You don't really plow it deep. And then you would sow uh, a cover crop like rye or buckwheat seed, or a mixture of rye and buckwheat. This is sometimes called green manure. I know that there are some folks who really like a mixture of rye, buckwheat, and red clover. Uh, the buckwheat, when that, when that buckwheat comes up in the spring, um, it makes little flowers and it attracts bees. And the red clover is a legume and it will help fix the nitrogen in the soil. It, what that means is it will make the nitrogen more available to whatever you plant next in that soil. The rye offers nitrogen to the soil and other nutrients once it's tilled into the soil. And did you know that some folks even use turnip seeds and they mix that with rye and buckwheat or red clover, anything that will grow and germinate in frigid temperatures and they sow that all over the garden and then they have turnips all winter uh, because turnips are kind of like uh, buckwheat and rye. They'll germinate at like 33 degrees. Now once the green plants in the spring are about 12 to 18 inches high somewhere in there, then you should go ahead and till them into the garden soil and that will give them time to decompose and create that green manure compost for your garden. Another thing you can do for your garden in the wintertime is to cut back all of your perennials. Um, one of the things that sometimes I forget to do, and I always, I always could kick myself when I don't do it, is to cut back the rosemary. You know, rosemary is an herb, but it if you let it go and it grows and it's in the ground and it grows, it will grow into a shrub. Well, more often than not, I'm walking by the window in the back of the house and I look out and I see that rosemary plant all covered in like six inches of snow. 
and I've forgotten to trim it back. Well, the snow and cold is really hard on some perennials, and it's easier on them if you go ahead and, and cut back the stems, the dry stems, to soil level. Make sure you remove any sign of pests or disease that you see, and if you've got some perennials that have interesting um, or attractive seed heads, you can leave those. I always leave them and use them in winter bouquets, things like um, hydrangeas and oak leaf hydrangeas and nandinas, and of course those are, all, those are ornamental plants, but okra pods are one. You can leave a lot of those over winter um, just so you'll have them to go out and cut for pretty arrangements. Now, another thing that you can do all winter long, not just during the time that you're getting your garden ready, is working on your compost pile. So you're going to be composting dead plant debris. Um, you're going to be composting things out of your kitchen. Just remember, don't, don't put meat in or fats in your compost pile. Um, I put eggshells and all vegetable trimmings and peelings and things. And so um, we take them out and put them in, in your compost pile. If you don't have a compost pile, you should, you should get one. You should make one. So you're going to compost all these things, and it's going to create an organic soil conditioner and nutrients. These um, compost piles get hot inside as they decompose. And when they're hot, like that inside, it kills weed seeds. It also can kill some disease pathogens. Um, but if you're not consistently adding new, fresh material and turning it, then it's not going to do that. It's not going to get hot enough to kill uh, pathogens or weed seed. And don't put anything that's questionable into your um, compost pile. If you think it might have a disease, an insect larvae or egg, or it just looks funny to you, don't put it. Just go ahead and throw it in the trash or burn it. Now the next thing that you can do is to maintain and clean up all of your gardening equipment. Let me tell you how, how I, I do it, and um, maybe there are a few things here you can learn from. First of all, I take a wire brush and I scrape all of the dirt off of the tools. We're talking things like hoes, rakes, shovels especially, picks, uh, scuttling hoes, and hand tools. I bring them inside or in the basement. I scrape all the dirt off with my wire brush. I wash them. Then I dry them with a cloth. And then I keep a five-gallon bucket of sand, which is really heavy, believe me. And I, every time my guys change the oil in their cars, I ask for it because I put it in my bucket of sand. And after I've had it a while, we dispose of it correctly, and I start a new bucket. But a bucket of sand and oil will last years. And so you saturate the sand with the used motor oil. And if you don't like the idea of putting motor oil on your tools, you can use linseed oil instead. Motor oil is just cheap. That's the, the only reason to use it. So you take your cleaned and dried tool and you dip it three, four, five, or six times in, up 
out and into the sand with all the oil on it. Then you leave the sand and oil on the tool, the metal part, and now the tool is ready to hang up unless you need to clean the wooden handles. And with those, you just need to wipe them down, make sure they're dry, and then give them a coat of boiled linseed oil. Hang them up and be sure to let them dry 24 hours before you try to use them. Um, now, if you have tools that have pivot points like shears or clippers, wipe them down, scrub them with a wire brush, and then use some kind of lubricating oil, like a three-in-one oil on the pivot or joint. Moisture is your enemy when it comes to garden tools, so let everything dry out completely before you oil your tools about 24 hours, and then don't place your tools on the ground, even if the ground we're talking about is concrete. Tools need to be hanging if you really want them to last a long, long time and work well. And when you're using your tools in the spring and summer, be sure to rinse them off and allow them to dry between uses. Another thing you can do is if you have raised beds, you can repair those things now. Nails, screws, whatever it is you need to put on them, linseed oil, whatever it is you need to put on them. Take down all of your trellises, your strings, ropes, etc. Store everything correctly. Take down your tomato cages, clean them out, store them. And now's the time to subscribe to various seed catalogs. Now, if you're interested in growing some heirloom varieties of vegetables and fruit, here are some good catalogs. I'm going to give you the websites. These are the ones that I have ordered from and I've been very satisfied. Now, there are tons more. But these are the ones that I could say have good customer service. Uh, the viability of the seeds is very high, and I've always been very pleased. The first is www.seedsavers.com. The next one is... Uh, called Baker Creek Seeds, but their website is www.rareseeds.com. Then there is www.anniesheirloomseeds.com, www.southernexposure.com, and then this last one is kind of interesting. It's www.kitazawa. Seed.com. K I T A Z A W A Seed.com. Kitazawa uh, has lots of uh, Japanese vegetables, seed, and um, they have a lot. Mostly what they have is warm weather, warm weather seeds uh, like cucumbers and melons and those kinds of things. They have a few cool weather things, but they have got some of the most interesting vegetables, and we've ordered a lot of stuff from them, and they're just, they're just a lot of fun, you know, to grow those kinds of things and, and, uh, and eat them and to give them away. You know, <laughs> they're really neat. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this today, learning about what you can do in your garden. Uh, there are a lot of other things you could do, but these happen to be the, what I think of as the most important thing.
It's really a lot of fun to sit down with a cup of hot cocoa and a piece of paper and a pen and look through all of your seed catalogs and pick out what you want to order. We do that every year, and we end up with about a shoebox full of seeds. And we don't have enough space to plant a shoebox full of seeds, but we plant at least some of everything, and then we double plant. We'll go back and plant again after we harvest a lot of these things. And what we grow, everything that we grow now is heirloom seed. But if you are in the market for some really good non-heirloom tomatoes, that are great for, they're just all-purpose. They're great for canning, cooking, uh, slicing. They're uniform, and they last a long time. You can store them for a long time. If you will look in uh, Burpee and uh, all the other, other big-time seed catalogs, look for Park County tomato seed. We have a lot of success with those. When we did grow non-heirloom varieties and I was canning lots of tomatoes, those were the ones. Um, Just about every tomato is the same size. It's like um, tennis ball size tomatoes. Well, that's all I've got for today. Come back and see me next time on the 21st Century Homekeeper. You've been listening to the 21st Century Homekeeper. Tune in again next week for more old-fashioned living information. And be sure to visit me on the Christian Homekeeper blog at www.christianhomekeeper.org. Tune in again soon. This is your preparation station. Speaking hope, not hype, and facts, not fear. Preparedness grounded in truth.